Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in to this Remnant service. I am live. I'm here in Nashville. I'm very, very tired. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, we've been at the Reawake America tour the last few days. I prayed with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, I can't even tell you. Yeah, actually, I want to share with you for a few seconds some of the things that we did see. But first, I just want to welcome you and thank you. And please forgive me for not being dressed up as I usually am on Sunday. Please forgive me for my appearance. I look a little tired, I know. Um, but I, I have always told you, and I will continue to do this, we will never miss a Sunday morning fellowship. We'll never miss uh, having this time together with the Remnant community because there's so much fruit. And uh, unless there's some absolute emergency where there's just no way that I can go live, I will go live on Sunday and we will gather as a remnant. And I have that commitment to you and I will hold to that commitment to you and to the Lord, by the way. So I know I'm in a hat and I know I'm not dressed up. Um, I got in late last night from Dallas. Uh, let me just share a couple minutes with you what, what I experienced in Dallas. So uh, I was at the Reawake America tour. This is, I think, the seventh or eighth one that I've been to. Um, you know, I spoke at most of them. Um, and the Lord moved in a very powerful way. Um, I don't know if you were able to catch the live stream, but, um, you know, there was this, uh, we went to this uh, place with His Glory, uh, which is a broadcasting, a Christian broadcasting group, uh, amazing people of God that I've become friends with. And uh, that's Pastor Dave Scarlett and Amanda Grace and, and many of the amazing people that they work with. Uh, but we went to the Frisco Athletic Club there. And um, it was just unbelievable. I'm going to lower this, excuse me, real quick. There's some noise coming from this other computer here. I'm in my, I'm in my office today. Uh, so in Nashville, by the way, you know, we just got hit with some really bad weather. So um, as you guys probably know, there's a lot of, I'm going to talk about the tornadoes and that in a few minutes. But I want to share the story with, uh, with, with what, what happened at the Reawake America tour. So anyway, we went to the Frisco Athletic Club and they had a pool there. And uh, this was after the second night, I think, of the Reawake America tour. And uh, the Lord really put it on my heart to go there. So, you know, we went there and uh, the line was, was out the door. It just kept coming. Uh, I think I showed a video of the line, but that was before a lot of the people had come. So that, that line increased and it was just so many people that were looking for prayer. Many people wanted to get baptized and there were healings, there were miracles uh, there were people that got delivered and it just, it, it, it touched my heart. We, we stayed as long as we could. We prayed for as many people as possible. Um, you know, the glory of God was there. Like I said, many people got baptized. That's one story, uh, in many, many stories. Um, as I walked around, uh, the reawake America tour, people would stop me and ask for prayer. We'd pray, uh, behind the stage. I was praying for the speakers, um, lots of fruit, ladies and gentlemen, lots of fruit, and many people got saved. There was a Jewish woman, and she said, uh, I'm, I'm praising Jesus. She says, I don't know what's going on, but I'm Jewish, but I'm praising Jesus. So uh, just amazing stuff that we, that we experienced this time. And I will tell you, revival is increasing. Uh, it's increasing around the nation. Uh, people are hungry. Uh, I've been doing ministry. You know, my parents, when I was a kid, uh, my mom was an evangelist and she would take me around, you know, she, she got saved when, you know, she was like in her, I think late thirties or mid thirties, but, um, you know, she was like the first one in the family really to get saved. And, and she really hungered for the Lord and went deeper and had a, a difficult time with my dad, who was a macho Italian Catholic, didn't really want to, you know, accept Jesus at the time. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you guys, but he used to stand in front of the car and block us from going to church when I was a kid. Uh, so when I was a kid, I was an actor and my mom was a stage mom. This is when we moved to California. Uh, but, you know, um, uh, my mom had already accepted Jesus. And so I was just a kid. Uh, but I would go to church at this Holy Ghost, you know, church, this Pentecostal church in Chatsworth. And uh, the, the pastor there was Pastor Carl Burns. And he was just, he was kind of like a Kent Christmas type. Uh, in fact, I've never really met anybody that I thought was like him until I met Pastor Kent Christmas, who's very similar to him. Uh, so, you know, that's the connection there. Uh, but let me just tell you, uh, my dad was, he was a tough guy and he would stand in front of the car and block us. And so just to get to church, it was not easy. We would deal with a lot of warfare and a lot of people don't like to talk about brokenness in their family. And a lot of people don't like to talk about the real story. They try to hide it. Uh, but you know, I, I, I was raised in a home of verbal abuse and 
all different types of things that used to go on there. But my mom would get us to church, and that was the seed. And my grandparents uh, were Christians. They took me to a Billy Graham crusade when I was like seven or eight years old. That was my first experience where I raised my hand and accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And the Lord pursued me after that. He pursued me. So I really got saved at a Billy Graham crusade in Florida that my grandparents had took me to. My grandparents had been ministering to my mom. She then accepted Jesus. And, uh, you know, it took many, many years for my dad to come along, many, many years. And uh, so it's a long story. I'm trying to write about it uh, in this uh, book that I'm putting together that I feel like it's a timely thing. But everybody's got baggage in their family. You know, it's funny because for years, the churches, you know, people have tried to hide, you know, the real story, you know, and, and a lot of people try to act like they're so perfect. And, you know, they have no problems in their family. And, you know, people ask, how are you doing? Everybody's like, oh, I'm doing great, blessed and highly favored. And meanwhile, like all these different things are going on. So I really feel like even today, this is prophetic because coming home from this Reawake America tour, a lot of the people that we're seeing, and and it's not just on the Reawake America tour, although I'm very thankful for Clay and his wife, Vanessa, and and all the people involved in this amazing thing that God is doing. And I'm going to write an article about it this week. But, but there's many things like this, maybe not at the same caliber, maybe, maybe not the same size, but other, other groups and other people that are meeting around the country. And, you know, when we go, I was at the South Carolina Revival Barn, I'm going to be going back there, uh, I think in the beginning of February, you know, we saw people there getting healed and saved and set free and delivered. I, you know, many, many places I've been recently, whether it's churches or different places around the country, we're seeing a hunger and people are awakening. And so there's this group of people that are hungry and there's a harvest that's, that's literally ready and set up, and it's beautiful what God is doing. But what, what, what God's been putting on my heart, I mean, even today, like, you know, we had, normally we do more of a, a better production quality, you know, when it comes to Sunday service, but I, I just couldn't today. I mean, literally, I got back, and, you know, it was super late, and I'm like, okay, either we're going to have Sunday service or we're not. Uh, the internet's giving us problems here in Nashville. There's some connectivity issues with the internet, probably because of the tornado. I mean, you know, Pastor Greg Locke, his tent, you know, was, was hit. Uh, so I feel like, you know, God is just asking us just to come as we are and not to put on, it's not even about like, we don't need a show. We don't need perfection. You know, we don't need to pretend like our families are perfect. This is what's been so messed up in the church for so many years. I mean, the people come on, they look perfect, they act perfect, everybody's perfect, perfect. Well, meanwhile, you know, we're not perfect. And and so we watch these people and we're like, wow, they they have it all together. They have it all together. And meanwhile, we look at our situation and, and like the real situation that we're dealing with and, you know, family members that are abusive, people that are rude, marriages that are tough, kids that are, you know, off the deep end. And, and people compare and they just think, well, gosh, everybody else's life is so great. But look at my life. And I just, I feel like, you know what? If, if we're going to go forward and be the church, be the ecclesia, like it's time just to take off the, you know, the, the, all the, the cosmetic stuff, you know, and just to like show it how it is. Like we're a broken people in need of a, of a perfect God. We're, we're a people that need a savior. And it, we don't come, like God doesn't say, come to me perfect. He doesn't say, come to me perfect. He says, come as you are, you know, like little children, you know, come like, and look, I'm going to give you a new life. And that's what he did with me. But I just, I, I hope that I can let you guys know that I am far from perfect. The reason why I do this is because I had an encounter with the living God and I know he's real and, and I love him. And so you know, do I mess up at times? Absolutely. And for anybody that would think that like Pastor Todd is perfect, I just have to tell you over and over again, I'm so far from perfect, but I'm forgiven and God is real. And so I came as I am. My mom came as she was. My dad eventually came, but he's had a hard time and I've watched him. And I'm sharing this personal story today because like I said, I talked to so many people at the Reawake America Tour and and on all my travels, I've I've literally gone two or three weeks out of the month, you know, for the last couple of years now where I've been going around the country and and talking to the folks and the people and and hearing the real stories. And and this goes back, I mean, ministry for many, many years. And, And it's like, no one's perfect. No one's perfect. I'm so tired of people thinking that they gotta be perfect. You know, there's this fake you know, uh, persona or, or this image that Christianity means that Christians are perfect. And then what happens is the world, you know, they try to find like one thing, you know, like, Oh, look, he did this or, Oh, look, she did that. And then that's like, Oh my gosh, they got you. 
Well, that's because the the whole persona has been Christianity is per, like you're perfect. No, if we would just tell the truth and say it's not about being perfect, it's about being forgiven. It's about accepting what happened on the cross of Calvary, right? It's not about us like all of a sudden we become perfect. We know we don't become perfect. We we become forgiven because we've accepted what Jesus did on the cross for us. It's not about the the lights and the and the fancy. Look, all that stuff is great. Like people, you know, say, well, you know, you're mocking it. I'm not mocking it. I'm not mocking the the lights and the and the screens and all the different things that churches today have. Well, that's a blessing. But the thing is, it's like, it's not about those things though. It's not about those things. Like those things are additives. Like that's fine. If, if, if that makes you feel better, that's good, whatever. But, but if, you're, if you're lacking the spirit of God, then the church is dead. So you can have all the fancy lights and the fancy screens and the fog machines and all those things. But if you lack the presence of God, because the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And there's a lot of people that are worrying and putting on the fake in order to, to kind of exude this image that like, oh, now I'm Christian, so now I'm perfect. And this is why the world thinks that they have the right to like, because they're not even trying to say they're perfect. I mean, if we look at them, half the people that are attacking Christians and, and that are out there making fun of us and all those different things, you could look at their life for like two seconds and find a bunch of stuff. But you know why it doesn't matter with them? Because they're not trying to say they're perfect. But they think that Christians, that's, they think that's what Christianity is. They think that like, oh, Christianity, like, oh, you know, Pastor Todd, he's perfect. Let me just find one thing. And I'm going to tell you, every time they look and they try to find one thing, they're going to find it. That's the whole thing. And if we try to put up this persona that Christianity is perfection, they're going to keep finding it and pointing the finger. And then there's going to be other people that say, well, then I guess I'm not going to be a Christian because Christians are hypocrites. But the thing is, there's a difference between trying your best and just not even caring and just living a life of sin and not even repenting. Repentance is key, but perfection is, is unattainable. It's unattainable for Christians. It's unattainable for non-Christians. The only perfect man who ever walked this earth was Jesus, and he was fully God and fully man at the same time. What a thing, right? So Christianity is not perfection, but there's something very important, and that's what I want to talk about today, and it's about faith, and it's, this is why I'm calling this Big Faith Part 2. Because as we go forward and I start sharing more about my testimony, you're going to see just how imperfect, imperfect I am. Imperfect my family was. Imperfect my, my childhood was. Imperfect, you know, everything was. An abusive father, a man that was very angry. You say, Todd, wow, you're sharing a lot today. Yeah, because I just want you all to know it's not, it's not what it looks like. And I have nothing to lose. I have much to gain, but I have nothing to lose because my life is, is, is dedicated to Jesus. And, and he is the author and the finisher of my faith. He's the potter. I'm the clay. He goes before me. He orders my steps. Same with you. He's ordering your steps. But there's a lot of people out there because when I came to Christ and I walked into a church, I thought I was going to get hit with a lightning bolt. I thought I'm way too dirty to be in this place. This is like holy ground and I'm coming from the world. And I used to sweat and be like all, you know, messed up sitting in the church, like shaking and nervous because I thought I wasn't clean enough. I didn't understand what Christianity was. I didn't understand that Christ died on the cross for my sins, that he was the one that bridged the gap between me, a sinful man, and God, a holy God. You see what I'm saying? And now that, that you know, I've, I've studied the word and I've been in, in Christ for many years now and I've got to know his love and his mercy and his grace and I become a good repenter. And I understand guys like King David in the Bible and, and the fact that even though they sin and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but you gotta be a good repenter. And you gotta try your very best. But you can't put up the illusion of perfection because that's not what Christianity is. It's not about an illusion of perfection. It's about a relationship with a holy and loving God. Our families aren't perfect. Our spouses aren't perfect, our children aren't perfect, and we're not perfect, but we serve a perfect God. And what he did on the cross of Calvary by shedding his blood for us as the eternal sacrificial lamb, as he bridged the gap, we were born into a world that's fallen because of the original sin. 
Adam and Eve in the garden. We were, you know, we were born into a world that's fallen, but we do not need to try to attain perfection. Somebody needs to hear this today because there's a, there's a, there's two false things. One, people think that being Christian means being really nice. Well, you can be really nice and on your way to hell. Okay, now, now a fruit of being a Christian, because you're walking in the fruit of the Spirit, which is kindness, is showing the love of Christ. A fruit of being a Christian is, yeah, you should be kind, and you should be loving, and you should exude the agape love, the, the, the love of Jesus Christ. So that is a fruit, but just being nice alone is not going to get you to heaven. You got to accept Jesus in your heart. He says he stands at the door of our heart knocking and all we have to do is let him in. We let him into our heart. We accept him as our Lord and Savior. What we're doing is we're accepting what was done on the cross of Calvary for us. We're saying with our own free will that we are laying down a lifestyle of sin, that we're repenting from our sin and unrighteousness and we're doing our best then to, to, to serve God with all of our heart. We're accepting what was already done on the cross for us by a holy God. Amen? It's not perfection. It's not perfection. So being nice is not going to get you to heaven. Okay? Being nice is not going to get you to heaven. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Somebody needed to hear that. The other part is that people think Christians are perfect. They're not. We never said we were. The Bible never says we were. We're forgiven. We're not perfect. We're forgiven. But we have to do our best not to engage in repetitive sin. If we continue to sin, repetitive, repetitive, that sin is going to cause an issue in our life. It opens a door. It opens a door, and, that, and that's a way that the enemy can come in because the wages of sin, the Bible says the wages of sin are death. So if we allow a repetitive sin in our life where we're continually doing it, that's why you know, people always say, well, you know, why is the gay lifestyle something that Christians talk about? They talk about it because it's a repetitive sin, but guess what? That's just one. And I don't know why Christians just hone in on that one. Yes, that's a repetitive sin. The Bible talks against it. I'm just the messenger. I didn't write the Bible. I didn't write it. I'm just the messenger, but that's just one. What about adultery? What about fornication? What about pornography? Those are repetitive sins too, if you continue to engage in them. They're just as bad. There's many Christians that are involved in these things. And there's so many other ones, gluttony. You know, but the sexual sins are tough because they involve two people usually, you know, and so, and so that's a tough one because not only are you causing yourself to sin, but you're also causing somebody else to sin and you're engaging in a repetitive sin. And so what the Bible says, you got to repent, you got to turn from those sins because it's going to be an open door in your life. But does that ever mean that we attain perfection? No, we don't. Almost every day of our life, probably every day of our life, we're going to sin. That's why the Bible is clear. It says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody. So the, so the difference between somebody who's saved and unsaved is not the fact of, of if they sin or not, but it's the fact of if they've repented and if they're doing their very best not to engage in repetitive sins and to turn from their wickedness, to turn from a lifestyle of sin. And some of us have vices and addictions and things that are very difficult to walk through. And so what, what, what a lot of people do because they think that Christianity is being nice and being perfect is they hide their sin from others. And that's why I talk about accountability, having mentors, having elders, people that you can trust, not people that are going to gossip about you, not people that are going to attack you, but people that you can honestly go to that the Lord leads you to in your life that are mentors and elders that are willing to walk you through deliverance, walk you through healing so that, so that two you know, there's, there's strength in numbers. The Bible even says go two by two or where two or more are gathered in, in his name. He's in the mess, right? Or, you know, two are in agreement. So there's power with two. And, and he also gives uh, instruction in the word of God about elders and people that we can go to. And that's to hold us accountable. It's part of the structure of the ecclesia and the body of Christ. And there's fivefold ministry people. And the fivefold ministry people, you know, are held to a higher standard. Amen. So there's a whole structure that God's put in place to set us up for success. But he never said being a Christian is being perfect and being nice isn't going to get you to heaven. Okay, that's just a, a part of being a Christian because you're exuding the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the key is to have that relationship, to have the relationship. Now, I want to talk about this, okay? There's a couple things. So excuse me for a second. I'm not going to be looking at the camera here. But I want to talk about uh, the woman who... Touch the hem of Jesus' garment. I'm having problems with the computers today because the internet's not working well. So please forgive me. We're having all different types of issues here.
Uh, I'm trying my best just to get onto the internet so I can read this scripture, but literally my computer's giving me such a hard time. Uh, so let's see if it works here. But it's, it's found in Matthew chapter 9, if you got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 9. And it says this, uh, I'm going to go down to verse 18, Matthew chapter 9, verse 18, it says this. It says, while he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshiped him, saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And here, here we go in verse 20. Now listen to this. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came behind and touched the hem of his garment. And for she said to herself, if I only may touch his garment, I shall be made well. And here's it in verse 22. But Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. That, that story right there has so much significance, okay? And, 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 you know, people talk about it as the woman who touched the hem of Christ's garment, right? And what happened was she had this flow of blood. It was like 12 years. She had this flow of blood. And, and she just felt in her, in her spirit, in her heart, that if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I don't even need to, like, you know, have a big, you know, prayer gathering and everybody get around me. She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I believe in faith that I'm going to be healed. But what did she have? What did she have? You know what she had? She had big faith. She had big faith. And so it says, but Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour on. Now there's so much significance in this. And I want to read from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 40. Hebrews Hebrews chapter 11, 1 through 40, it says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So faith is the, is the, things, uh, uh, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Okay. Uh, that is so, so important. You know, I always talk about the scripture too that says faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. Uh, there, there's another uh, interpretation of that verse. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Very similar. What does that mean? It means that we hope for things. In faith, we believe that God is moving. In faith, we believe that God is able. In faith, we believe, you know what, even though I don't see it in the natural, it's something that I hope for, but in faith, through prayer, I believe that the God of heaven and earth that's sitting on the throne of glory not only can hear my prayers, but as the Bible says, respond to the prayers of the righteous. So we, we, we start something by believing in faith and in prayer. That's where the, the, this is a season. Now it says the faith of a mustard seed will move a mountain. But we've been talking about just like the woman that touched the hem of the garment, she had big faith. So if you can move a mountain with the faith of a mustard seed, imagine what you're able to do when you have big faith. When you have big faith. When, when you look at the situation in your family, that's not perfect. When you look at the situation in your marriage, that's not perfect. When you look at the situation with your job, that's not perfect. And you say, but God, I'm going to believe in faith that you are a holy God. You are a righteous God. You are the God that sits on the throne of glory. And you respond to the prayers of the righteous. And you've said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You have said, Lord, in your promises, yes and amen. Hope in the future and that you're with us even until the end of the age. And so therefore, Lord, I'm going to put this before you today in big faith. And I'm going to touch the hem of your garment. God wants us, Remnant Church to touch the hem of his garment. He wants us not to be about the cosmetics, not to be about trying to pretend that we're perfect, not to have the fog machines and the lights and all the screens. Like I said, those things are fine, but you can't make them idols. And it's not about, they have no power. They have zero power, none. What has the power is the faith that we walk in by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the faith that God is, is requiring. In fact, he even says, without it, we can't even please him. We can't, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what the scripture says. But with faith, we're able to move the mountain. So what if, I'm posing the question today, what if we decided that we're gonna walk in big faith? Sickness tried to come on my body when I was out there in Dallas. It's happened a lot recently. You may even hear, I'm a little nasal today. Sickness tries to come. I'm not saying that it always goes away, but when the sickness tries to come, I know it's a spiritual attack. 
I say, I rebuke you, sickness, over my body in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Ghost. Go. All authority in heaven and earth is given to him, right? He's the author and the finisher of my story. He knows what I need to accomplish. He knows what I need to do. He knows what my week looks like. So when I say to him, Lord, I can't have the sickness, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. The Bible says what's bound on earth is bound in heaven. What's loose on earth is loose in heaven. So we rebuke the sickness. And guess what? Most of the time it goes. People say, how do you do it, Todd? How do you have the energy? It's not me. It's the Lord. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus. But I also have the faith to believe that when I rebuke it, that God is willing and able. And that's what I think it is. It's that touching the hem of his garment. Now, does he do it every single time? Not every single time. Sometimes it takes a couple of days. Sometimes it's instantaneous. When depression tries to come on me, because yes, it does, I rebuke it. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. It tries to come on me. And I say, in Jesus' name, depression be gone. In Jesus' name, oppression be gone. The Lord tries to, you know, I mean, he gives me the strength. It's not that he tries, he does. He gives me the wisdom. He gives me the understanding. But Satan is the one that tries. God does. Satan tries. Think about that. God does. Satan tries. So when Satan tries to come and, and discourage me or tempt me or get me to be depressed, I say, well, no, because I serve God. And God does. Satan, you try. God does. God, you can heal me of this right now in Jesus' name. And it's done. Because what happens is it's just like the woman that touched the hem of the garment. We touch the hem of the garment and we believe in faith that God is able and he's willing and he does. He does. He does. Somebody needs to hear that today, okay? Here's the thing. I wanted to share this with you today because this is what I see. This is what got me to thinking about this and why we need to talk about big faith again, okay? Because in the ministry for many, many years, I've seen this over and over and over again. I see people that get a quick healing. I see people that walk in it. I see people that receive it. And then I see people that deal with doubt. And I've been seeing a lot of doubt as I go around the country. There's a lot of people that have a lot of doubt. And it's just that little doubt, that little seed of doubt that prevents the miracle from happening. I see it time and time again. Because there's, there's fear, there's worry, there, there's a mistrust where it's like, I have to know, you know, 100% it's got to be sure. I got to know, God, how much more proof do we need that God is real? How much more proof do we need? Have you ever seen the intricacy of the human anatomy? Have you ever seen a baby being born? Okay, have you ever seen, have you looked up at the stars at night? The, the evidence of God is overwhelming, friends. It's everywhere. But for some reason, the enemy has done a really good job through television, through movies, through all the fake narratives and all the different things that he does to try to discourage us and dishearten us as Christians. He's done a real good job of sowing seeds of doubt. So even people that have been in faith, in the, in the faith of Jesus, that have accepted him as their savior, they carry around this baggage of doubt. And what doubt does is doubt limits you. Doubt limits your ability to, to walk in the full effectiveness and the optimal calling that God has given you. Because when you have the baggage and the weight of doubt, listen, 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 somebody's got to hear this, okay? You get sick, and I'm not saying again that every time God is going to heal right away because his ways are not our ways and we don't always understand what he's up to. I mean, look at Job, right? But he was up to something. There was a plan. He was going to give Job a double portion. So whatever your situation, God has a plan. There's a perfect plan for you, a perfect will, and God is working it out. But his ways are not our ways, so we don't always understand it. But the doubt is, is, is something that blocks the optimal calling of God on your life. It's a baggage. It's a weight. And many people are carrying doubt and, and fear is part of that and worry is part of that because what it does is it's a limiter. It's a limiter. I remember I had a, a, a car that had a really powerful engine, but there was something called a limiter. I don't know, you know how it fully works. I'm not like a mechanic or anything, but, but when they took off that limiter, I would, the car was able to go a lot faster. And uh, when they had the limiter on, it wasn't able to go as fast. So I don't know how that works. I'm not exactly sure what that was. But, but, you know, maybe it's like has to do with the catalytic converter and the, you know, the muffler and all that. I don't know. But, but all I know is when you take it off and you put on a performance one and all of a sudden the car has more horsepower. That I know. So there was something that was limiting the flow of air out of the car, the exhaust system, that when they took this off and they put on this performance one, it gave it more ability to go faster. Well, that's what doubt is. Doubt is a limiter to your optimal calling. Fear is a limiter. 
Worrying is a limiter. What this woman did when she came and touched the hem of the garment, she didn't need the attention. She didn't need God to be like, oh, woman, and, and you know, a whole big thing where everybody got around, even though that's great when that happens and everybody gets around and prays for you. I mean, I'm not saying that's not biblical because the Bible says lay hands on the sick. But what I'm saying is she had such big faith that she literally said, look, all I need to do is just touch this man. All I need to do is just touch him and I believe in my heart. And what happened was Jesus felt the spirit of the living God leaving his body. He felt it. He said, something happened. Somebody touched me. Who touched me? And the woman got healing because of her faith. And what I'm trying to explain today is this story in the word of God is so important because without faith, it's impossible to please him. In Mark 11, 22 through 24, it says, and Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says this mountain be taken up and thrown in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe it, that you have it and receive it and it'll be yours. Come on, come on. You look at that scripture and even that scripture, a lot of people have doubt about the scripture because they say, well, does it really say whatever you ask in prayer? What God is saying is be like the woman who touched the hem. When you pray it, Walk in the belief and understanding that God is willing and able and capable of doing it. Understand who he is. That's where the breakthrough comes. See, I see people that are flourishing. They just come to know Jesus. And within three years, they're in the ministry. They're out there. They're evangelists. They're touching people. And it's like people say, well, wait a minute. They haven't been in Christ long enough. Now, I get it. You got to be, you know, study yourself to be approved. I'm all about mentorship and the right time. You know, you can't raise yourself up. I'm not trying to say any of that. But sometimes people have an acceleration and then there's other people that have been in the faith for like 20 years and they're very, you know, stagnant. They're like still like drinking milk. And you think to yourself, why is it that somebody comes in and they flourish and they, ex ex you know, just go exceedingly and abundantly, you know, and all of a sudden you see God raising them up and it seems like it's really quick. And then you see people that are Christians for 20, 30 years and they're still not able to do the same things that these people are doing. Why? Well, it's because of the faith. It's because of the faith, because when you embrace who Christ is and what he's able to do, and you understand that that's the God we serve, and then you start walking in that authority and walking in that anointing and being like the woman that touched the hem, and all of a sudden you're seeing miracles and signs and wonders because there's no limitations for God. There's no limitations. The limitations are from the enemy. The limitations are from doubt. The limitations are from fear. So when we, when we sit in a life, and listen, I see people, and they have a spouse, and they're on fire and their spouse is not. And their spouse may even be a believer, but it's like, what is going on? The problem is, is that they haven't stepped into the river of living water yet. They fully haven't grasped what God's able to do. He's willing and he's able. He'll do it right now. And even if he decides not to do it right now, I walk in the, look, when I pray for a sickness to leave my body and maybe it didn't leave right away, I start walking as if it did. I start believing as if it did because I say, well, I pray. And I know God's working and I know he's moving. And so I have things to do. I'm not going to let this sickness limit me. And then all of a sudden, you know what happens almost every single time? It does go. It does go. Why? Because I walked in the miracle. I've seen people that have gotten, gotten up out of wheelchairs and they're walking and the Lord has healed them and he's instantaneously done something. But then what happens is the fear and the worry and all the fleshly stuff and the doubt starts creeping back in. And then they sit back down in their chair that they were already delivered from. Oh yeah, I'm preaching it today. <laughs> Come on. Now again, I'm not saying every time God does the instantaneous healing, but what I've seen is, is that people have been delivered and they have been healed, but for whatever reason, they'll allow that doubt and that fear and that worry to creep back in because there's something in them that tells them that God isn't able. And that's why God wanted us to know this story about the woman who had the flow of blood for 12 years and she, all she did was touch the hem and it was done. She, she didn't need a big show. She didn't need a big, you know, a bunch of people making a big deal about her. She just knew that if she could just touch the hem of the Savior, the Savior of heaven and earth, if she could just touch the hem of his garment, that her situation would be changed. And she believed it wholeheartedly. And that's why she received the full release because it was available to her, but she didn't let doubt or fear. I'm sure people were telling her, think about it. She's probably saying, I'm going to go see this guy, this guy, Jesus, and he's healing people and he's doing miracles. You know, and I've heard all the stories about what he's doing. People probably said to her, oh, lady, 
That's not going to happen. Oh, that's a bunch of show. He's a showman. You know, they're probably putting all kinds of doubt, but she decided to say, I'm not going to receive the words of doubt. She, she decided to say in her heart, I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe that he is Messiah. I'm going to believe that he is in the miracle working business. I believe that he is the God of heaven and earth. And so when she touched the hem, the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. But she had the faith. So it pleased the Lord because the Lord knew. He says, I have not seen one with such faith. And the healing was instant. Now people say, well, you know, what am I going to do with this, this spouse of mine? Or what am I going to do with this child of mine that doesn't believe? You can't control them. You can't make, listen, I've learned this in the ministry and it's one of the toughest things. But you, you, can, you can preach Holy Spirit anointed it could be, it could be, I've been in the services where the spirit is moving, people are getting healed left and right, and then there's that one person that's standing there and absolutely nothing has happened to them. And I could sit there and pray my best prayer, and I could sit there and, and speak truth to them, but, but if they're not willing to receive, then nothing happens. Nothing. And people are falling left and right and getting healings left and right, and miracles are happening, and the spirit of God is so thick and so heavy and I feel the anointing, and it's, it's, it's fire. But then there's one person that's sitting there, and it doesn't matter. It could be the best message I've ever preached. And by the way, it's always the Lord. It's not me. But it could be anointed. But that person stands there, and nothing happens to them. And it's discouraging for me to watch. And I've seen this with people that I love dearly that are in my life. I love them so much, and I want to see them thriving. And I want to see them excelling and, and I want to see them walking in the optimal call, but they have to be the one. They have to be the one that touches the hem. They have to be the one. We can't make them touch the hem. You say, I got a spouse and they just aren't as on, on fire as I am. I understand. Listen, I have, a, I have a, you know, yeah. you say, pastor, I have a son. He just doesn't get it. The Lord wants to move in his life, but he just doesn't receive it. And you've done everything you can to pray for him. You've done everything you can to share the truth with him. And, and there's nothing more powerful than a praying parent. So keep praying. But they have to have the encounter. We can't make them have the encounter. That's what free will is. You can have the best preacher. You can have the most anointed service. God can be there so thick and so heavy and so strong. But that's why God is saying it's a season of big faith because those that are willing to touch the hem of the garment, hallelujah, those that are willing to accept the call, faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. Those that are willing to go deeper in the word of God, they are going to excel. They're going to see increase, but we can't make everybody come along with us because they have to have their own encounter. All we can do is show the love of Christ, pray, be a good example, do our best. We're not perfect, but ultimately they have to receive it for themselves. And I think a lot of you have been carrying this burden. I don't know why, I just keep feeling for a spouse. A lot of you have a spouse, maybe. Some of you have, you know, a family member, someone you love, and you're, you, you for years, and listen, I watched this in my own family. And, and the Spirit of God moved, and there were so many different things that were happening. But for whatever reason, that person has to have their own encounter. You can't force them. We all have free will. So somebody needs to be released of the burden today where you think that it's your, you have to make, no. You don't have, listen, some of you have been holding up somebody else's faith. You've been holding, it's a heavy weight for you. And God is saying, release it today. You cannot make them come to Jesus. You can do everything you can. You can show them the love of Christ. You can witness to them. You can be a, a great example. They can watch miracles and signs and wonders happening in your own life, but they have to have their own encounter. You can't make it happen, my friend. I wish we could, but we can't. And so there are going to be people that come alongside. There are going to be other remnant people that get it. I love it. I see it all the time. You know, and we carry this heavy burden for our closest loved ones and we think, I just wish they would get it, but they have to make the decision. They have to touch the hem of the garment for themselves. We can't touch it for them. A daughter, a son, a spouse, a family member, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, a loved one. We can't do it for them. All we can do is present it. All we can do is exude it in our own life. 
All we can do is be a good witness and a good testimony. And they're going to watch and see the blessing and the favor of the Lord on our life. People wonder, Pastor Todd, how in the world did that door open? How in the world did this happen? Well, you know what? It's all the Lord. Do I struggle with a tremendous amount of spiritual warfare? Absolutely. Is my life perfect? Not even close. Am I perfect? Not even close. But the, the secret sauce, if you will, because people always ask me, what's the secret? The secret is big faith. That's the thing that pleases God. He said it over and over again in his word. If you have big faith and believe God is going to move on your behalf and you continue to press ahead no matter what the situation that's going on in your life, you just keep pressing ahead and keep being an overcomer because ultimately all you can do is be responsible for yourself. And the Christians will attack and the world will attack and people will have a bunch of different things to say and they'll accuse and they'll come against you and they'll try to smear you, but you just keep walking forward and being an overcomer and you do everything you can to walk in a righteous manner and you have big faith and you watch how faithful God is in the long run because this is a long game. This is not a short game. Many people say like, oh, you know, you know, I've watched your ministry over the years. It's not my ministry. It's the Lord's. He can take it away at any second. He gives and takes away. I tell people, it's not my ministry. Well, they say, well, yeah, but, you know, we've seen what God's done. Well, yeah, he has done that. And they say, well, what's the secret? You know what the secret is? Being faithful. Trusting in the Lord. In, in the good times and in the bad. Having big faith. You know what, God? You're ordering my steps. God, you're going before me. Is it easy? No. Is it perfect? No. Is it without a bunch of uh, all kinds of things that happen that are like discouraging? No, there are many things that happen that are discouraging. But it's, the, it's about the long game because we, we're gonna stand before the throne one day and he's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. You passed the test. You fought the good fight of faith. You kept pressing ahead. Because life is a series of mountaintop experiences and valley experiences. You may be going through a great season right now, but something could come suddenly that shifts that. And it could become a very troubling situation. Somebody could get suddenly uh, sick. You know, you could, a sickness could come or a sudden divorce or something out of nowhere. And you think, what happened? But the, the life is, a, is a mountaintops and valleys. It's, it's very up and down. But the consistent part of it is that no matter what, we trust in the Lord. We lean out on our own understanding. We don't worry about what this one said. We don't worry about that, what that one said. If we got off course, we get back. We course correct. If we got off course, we say, Lord, I messed up. I repent before you. And then you turn from the sin. You turn from the unrighteousness. And the Lord is a good father. He's a forgiving father. He's a merciful father. You got to be a good repenter. But we can't make somebody else come along this journey with us. They have to make the decision themselves. They have free will. They have to also understand the concept of big faith. They have to understand that faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. If somebody's looking at the news all day or they're looking at all the negativity in this world and that's where they get all their information and that's what they're, they're wallowing in that and they're living in that 24-7, that's what's going to be the fruit of their life because that's what they're intaking into their body. But if they're intaking the truth of the word of God, if they're intaking the promise of the Lord, which is yes and amen, if they're understanding that we're in the world, but we're not of it, if they understand that God goes before us and he's going to make a way where it seems impossible and we just continue to understand our citizenship's in heaven, it's not of this world. And we know that this whole thing is about our soul and we just keep pressing ahead in victory and proclaiming the good news of the Lord and speaking life over the situation and proclaiming it and, and that's it. And trusting in God. And when we do that, God is going to get us through exceedingly and abundantly because he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's never out of resources. He's never out of resources. So he's just going to, just he's going to take us from glory to glory. So you may be in a very difficult situation right now in your life. It may, it may seem impossible for you. And you know what? I'm sorry. I, I want to repent to you for, for preachers in the church not telling you the truth. Because there's this, this illusion of perfection. There's an illusion of perfection. Perfection, it's a lie. It's a complete lie. Maybe that's why God had me do the service like this today. You know, we're not, we don't have the, the, the countdown and, you know, people mixing on the, on the visual board and all that. This is just a live stream. That's it. Because it has to come back to the bare basics. For us to understand that that's what it's all about. It's not about the suit and tie. It's not about the hair all done. It's not about looking all perfect and everything like that. We are literally coming as a broken people before a holy God. But because of the blood of Jesus and the cross of Calvary, he's bridged the gap. He's bridged the gap for us. He, he, is, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for us on our behalf. What he wants us to do is to come as we are. 
not a perfect person, to come as we are. Listen, one thing that I've learned about this revival and the things that are coming is there's going to be a lot of imperfect people. There's going to be misfits and drug addicts and people that are coming out of a lifestyle of sexual perversion, people that are coming out of the gay lifestyle, all different types of things. And we're not here to judge them or condemn them or hate them. We hate the sin, but we love the sinner. We're going to embrace them with the love of Jesus Christ. It's not about them being perfect. They may not be dressing the way that we're used to, okay? They may not talk the way that we're used to. They, they may not be all clean cut and all prim and proper and coming in blessed and highly favored. No, that's not what it's about. Yes, we are blessed and highly favored. I'm not mocking that. But the truth is we're a broken people in need of a holy God. We're a, we're a mess, but we need Jesus. We're not perfect. We're a mess. I'm a mess. You're a mess. Now, I'm no, I'm no longer a mess because I've been redeemed. You're no longer a mess because you've been redeemed. We've been washed clean, you know, washed by the blood of the lamb. The, the sins and the unrighteousness is thrown in the sea of forgetfulness once we repent, but it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. And being nice isn't being a Christian. It's a fruit of being a Christian. But the truth about being a Christian is having a relationship, relation, a daily relationship. Think about relationships. It's daily it's, it's hourly. It's, I talk to the Lord all day long. And I repent all day long because sometimes I get in the flesh and God says, oh, that was not right, Todd. And I say, I'm so sorry, Lord. I won't do that again. You're a good repenter. Be a good repenter. Perfection is unattainable in this world. But Jesus is, is perfection. So we can attain perfection through the blood of the Lamb, through Jesus Christ. Christianity, the way that we've, we've branded this thing, especially in this modern era, is, is that like we can't have anything in our life that's broken. We can't, we got to hide all the brokenness, hide the past divorces, hide the, the abuse. Maybe the divorce is happening now. You know, you got to hide all that. You know, everybody, you know, people are going to come against you, come against your character, make you feel like you're an awful person. You're not. You're not. You're not an awful person. You're a forgiven person. But you got to be like the, the, the person who, the woman who touched the hem of the garment. You say, Pastor Todd, I've had five abortions. Okay, did you repent? Repent. Pastor Todd, I've had four marriages. Okay, did you repent? Repent. Come as you are, but repent to the Lord of your sin and unrighteousness. Turn from your wickedness and turn to a holy God and embrace what he did on the cross for you. He loves you so much. See, somebody lied along the way. They said being a Christian is perfect and that's why you, you felt like I can't be a Christian because I'm not perfect. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I want you to know as a pastor and a minister of the gospel for 22 years now, I think, you know, Maybe, maybe 23 coming up here. I am far from perfect. And anybody that's lied to you and told you that being a Christian is perfect, it's not true. Being a Christian is forgiven. It's embracing what happened on the cross by the eternal sacrificial lamb. That's what it is. Having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? So I, I just wanted to clear up that misconception because many people have gotten messed up with this thing. You know, I don't have to be the most articulate speaker. I don't have to be all perfect. I just have to be who Christ made me to be and walk in that calling and walk in that anointing and walk in that love because God is love. And he loves you so much. He died on the cross for your sins. So I want to free you today. Somebody's getting free to this right now. You've been carrying around this weight, this burden. You've been carrying this thing around for years, this baggage where you thought that Christianity means you got to be perfect. You thought, okay, that your family had to be perfect. You had to hide all the, all the brokenness. You had to hide, no. You had to hide all your sin and all the things that you did. I was so messed up in the world. I was on drugs. I was on alcohol 22 years ago, 23 years ago, whatever. I was messed up. I was living a promiscuous lifestyle. I was all messed up. And I didn't think that I could go to church. I thought that the lightning was gonna hit me in that, in that seat, in that pew. And I didn't even wanna walk inside because I knew how broken and messed up I was. But that's exactly, you are exactly, I am exactly who Christ wants. In fact, that's who he hung out with when he was fully God and fully man in the flesh here on earth. He hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with messed up people. He didn't hang out with the Pharisees that thought they were perfect. Amen? Somebody's getting the breakthrough today. I thought for years I had to hide the brokenness in my family. I thought for years I had to hide the abuse. I thought for years I had to hide all the messed up stuff because I thought I was the only one that walked through it. And then I started counseling people. <laughs> oh boy. Then I started being a Christian counselor and a pastor. People started coming to my office. And the guy would come in with the, the nice little suit 
looking perfect and you thought him and his wife and everything was perfect and he would get in the office and I'd close the door and all of a sudden he started sharing what was really going on and I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And then it happened over and over and over again. Doctors, lawyers, the most respected people in society would come in and close the door and start sharing with me as a pastor and Christian counselor their real situation. I thought I would never have thought that. But yet everybody has their brokenness and that's why we need a holy God to fix it. So the situation in your life right now requires big faith. It requires big faith. The situation in our world requires big faith. Now, does that mean that we're not gonna go to heaven if we don't have big faith? I'm not saying that. Because the Bible does say the faith of a mustard seed will move the mountain. So any element of faith. But the thing is, he wants us to have big faith because when you walk in the big faith, like the woman who touched the hem of the garment, that's when you're gonna see the biggest things, the biggest breakthroughs. God wants to move in your situation. He wants to move in your life. The, the job that you're fighting for right now, lay it down at the foot of the cross. Lord, I have big faith. You're gonna do something. Either you're gonna re, you know, restore this situation right now with this job and you're gonna give me favor here or you're gonna give me a promotion and you're gonna give me a better job, okay? The spouse, the, the daughter, the son, the family member, the, the best friend that you're trying to hold them up, you know, you're trying to make them have an encounter. All you can do is be a good witness and you can pray for them. You can intercede for them. And you could be available for them, but they have to make the decision in their own life. It's not your responsibility. It's not your responsibility. All you can do is be the person that God's called you to be. You can't make somebody else come to know Jesus. You can share the gospel with them. You can share the truth with them. You can be a good testimony. You can be a light. That's what we're meant to do. It says, go and make disciples. Make disciples. There's hungry people. This is what I recommend. If you're you know, spending time on one person and you're just over and over and over, and this person is not receiving, make sure there's about 30 people right now in your life that would probably receive. And, and you know, I'm not saying don't be available for that person, but find the people that are hungry because there's many, many, many people that are hungry and disciple them, mentor them, tell them about the love of Jesus and you're gonna see tremendous fruit in your life, amen? Let's do this right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God is moving right now. He's moving so, so powerfully right now. You've been carrying a weight and a burden. Somebody's been just carrying this. I, I just feel it coming off of you today. I'm telling you, when I was sitting in that line in Dallas and I saw the, the shackles coming off person after person because they've been carrying these burdens and these weights. God is healing you of that today too. He's taken away the, the weight and the burden. You do not need to. I am so sorry. That, that Christianity today, the, I'm not saying the magazine, I'm saying the, the people in the body have, have told us, have made us feel that we have to be perfect and we have to carry all this baggage. You do not need to carry. You are released today. You are released today. Healing in the name of Jesus today. Let it go. Lay it at the foot of the cross. You do not need to carry that burden. God wants to free you of that today. He's got something powerful for your life. Hope in a future. His promise is yes and amen. People have said words. Those words have hooked in. Somebody, somebody needs to hear this. The word is hooked in and you've carried the word that somebody said. You've been carrying it around and God is releasing you of that word today. He says, I never said that. What did he say about you? It's not about what they said. It's about what he said. He wants to release that from you today. He, it's about what he said. Whose report do we believe? We're gonna believe the report of the Lord. What his word said. Not what that person said out of their brokenness, out of their hurt. Release it today. Release the baggage today. Here's what we're going to do. I want to do two things. There's going to be two prayers right now, okay? The first prayer, what we're going to pray is I believe about half the people, this is big, I believe about half the people that are watching this. And by the time this broadcast is done, whether you're watching in the live or you're watching in the replay, we, we, we and I'm not saying this to brag, but we see it's at least 10,000, sometimes 30, 40, 50,000 people that watch. Okay, I, I believe it's half the people, half the people that are watching this need to receive this first prayer because you've been carrying a burden that you did not need to care, carry, okay? You've been carrying somebody else's burden, somebody else's baggage and, and words that people have spoke and, and you've been carrying this, whether it's your spouse, you've been trying to make your spouse have an encounter. You can't do it. They have to do it themselves. You've been trying to make your son, make your daughter, make your friend, make your family member have an encounter and you've done everything you can and you've been carrying this burden and God is just saying it's released today. Somebody spoke words over you. They spoke words of doubt, words of fear, words of discouragement, something over your life that was never meant to be said but it hooked in 
And you've been carrying that around as if it's truth, but it's not true. And God is saying he's going to release that today. So this is the first prayer. God is saying half the people watching this need to do this. So I believe that half of you at least need to do this. Put out your hands like this right now. We're going to pray and release this right now. So Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, we release this excess baggage. People have been carrying this excess, this excess baggage. Excess baggage. We release it right now in Jesus' name. It was never of you. Those words were not of you. Carrying this burden is not of you. We lay it down at the foot of the cross today. No more will we have to carry. This has been a shackle. It's been a weight. It's been a thorn in our side. But today you're releasing this body right here. That You're releasing this group of people. It's not our burden to bear. We don't need to be perfect. We're not, met. We're not even called to be perfect. We're forgiven. We're forgiven. So we release the spirit of perfection. It's, it's a false humility. It's a false reality. It's not true. And we just say, we want more of you, God. Let us exude you. Let us be in your presence. What did you say? What do you have for us? So we release this baggage today at the foot of the cross. We thank you and we praise you for the freedom. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Now receive that. Receive it like the woman who touched the hem of the garment. Receive it today in Jesus' name, over your life, over your situation. It may not be exactly as I spoke. You say, well, is he talking to me? Yeah, that's the confirmation. The Lord says, yes, he, I, you know, I am talking to you. The Lord's talking to you. You say, I don't know. Is it for me? It's for you. You know it's for you. Release it today. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Release it today. It's not your burden to bear. Now, here's the second prayer. Okay, and, I, and I'm just gonna say, that first prayer, half of this audience right now just is meant to receive that. Half of this audience has been carrying around this weight, this fear, this doubt, this worry, this concern. And God is saying, release it at the foot of the cross today. Make sure you do that. If you don't do it right now, after we get off this broadcast, get on your knees and release it to the Lord. God is gonna release a heavy burden that you've been carrying around. I think some of you, it's been for years. You've been carrying this around for years and maybe you've just never been told, but God is saying today, this is the word of the Lord. Release it in Jesus' name, amen? Amen. I'm excited because I know what that means. I had to do that too, and it's a huge breakthrough. Hallelujah. You don't need to be perfect. You're forgiven in Jesus' name. You just got to come to the foot of the cross. Lord, forgive me. Now, that's what we're going to do with the second prayer right now is, is that many of us, many of us need to receive Jesus and need to receive his love. And so today, God is saying, it's the day. Today is the day. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. Today is the day. It's not a mistake that you're here. It's not a mistake that you found this broadcast today. Today is the day. So in Jesus' name right now, we thank you, Lord, for a full release. We thank you, Lord, that, Lord, there's people right now that have not fully accepted you as Lord and Savior. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna just pray this prayer, Lord God. And, and why don't you just repeat this prayer if you've never accepted the Lord or if you were to die or if you were to get killed or if Jesus were to come, you're just not sure. You say, Pastor Todd, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Well, today's the day you make sure. Today's the day you make sure. So just repeat this prayer. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, come into my heart today. I dedicate my life to you. Thank you, God, for setting me free from a life of sin and death. I receive you fully. My heart is open. I receive you today. And I will serve you for the rest of my days until you come back or until I die. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Listen, if you accept the Lord for the first time today, I want you to do this. Text me. Text me. You write this down right now. Write this down if you're able. Text me, 818-470-7963, 818-470-7963, 818-470-7963. Pastor Todd, I accept the Lord for the first time. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to get a Bible in your hand. I just love to hear when somebody's accepted the Lord because the angels rejoice. So many of you were set free today of the baggage. Many of you received Jesus for the first time. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing online community of remnant people. And you are a huge blessing to me. Thank you to everybody who's prayed for me these last couple of days for safety, for open doors, for protection. Uh, continue to pray for this ministry. We, we, Definitely have certain needs, especially right now. We're going to try to help the community this week. Uh, get back to Nashville. I'm here in Nashville. And this, there's a lot of needs right now, a lot of needs. And so if you're able to help, 
Uh, I didn't mention the tithes and offerings earlier, but you can go to toddcoconado.com. That's my name, just like up on the top of this page. My name.com, Todd Coco. There's a little slash you can put in, forward slash give, and uh, there's all different types of ways that you can give and help support the ministry with the tithes and offerings. Really appreciate that. We need it. Uh, God is good. He's moving. Uh, he's not done with you. He's not done with me. He's got many, many things in store. I love you. I bless you in Jesus' name. Go out there and make disciples. Be of good cheer for the Lord, your God, my God, sits on the throne of glory. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we are meant to touch the hem of his garment because he's ready to do big and mighty things in our life. He's not done with your life. In fact, the best is yet to come. I truly believe it. And we're going to rule and reign in eternity with Jesus Christ. There's no better news than that. I love you guys. I bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a wonderful day.